0: 3, verse 1 through 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as this, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practice and have put on the new self, which which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or, or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
1: We've been studying Colossians the last several weeks. Now, if you remember, Colossae was a church that Paul had never visited. But we hear in the beginning of Colossians, I have heard about your faith. He had only heard about them. He had never actually been there to see them. And he also heard that they were starting to be swayed by false teachers. They were being deceived by a false gospel. The false teachers were trying to undermine the deity of Christ by saying Jesus was just a man who did good things. And the false teachers were talking about knowledge as the supreme force in the universe. Just get smarter, just get more knowledge. That's what makes the difference in your life. Jesus was just a man. And so Paul's writing to them and saying, don't forget what you heard about Christ. Don't forget about your faith in Christ. And so the first two chapters were all about who God is, who Jesus is, what God is doing through Jesus, and what Jesus is doing through them. And now at the start of chapter 3, we see Paul shift from doctrine into action. He says, okay, now I've told you all these things. I've reminded you of all of these things. Now, this is where you have to do something. Now, if we went around the room this morning asking, what would you change about yourself? I think we'd get a wide range of answers. Because I don't think any of us think we're perfect, although maybe some of us do, I don't know. (laughs) But maybe we'd get things like, well, I want to be more positive. I need to get more organized. I need to procrastinate less. I need to get healthier. I need to get a handle on my finances. Take better care of myself. I need to lose a little bit of weight. None of these things are going to happen if you just wish hard enough or pray long enough. If you want to lose weight, you have to change your eating styles. You have to change your activity level. If you want to get more organized, You have to start making lists of things. You have to do something. And that's what Paul is writing about in chapter 3. He gives us three things that we need to change if we want to see change in our lives. If we want to be transformed. The first thing he says is you need to change direction. Remember, you were raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. That's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the things of the earth. Because earthly things will rust. Earthly things will not last. Keep your eyes on the heavenly things because they're eternal. They're the things that are going to last forever. keeping our eyes on heavenly things is focusing on the Word of God. It's focusing on what God has promised and what God has done. Don't seek after the earthly things. Those are made by man. Don't focus on philosophies of man. Those are just elementary principles of man's making. Take what the world is saying. Put it against God's Word. Does it line up? Most likely it doesn't. And so Paul's saying, Don't focus on those earthly things. Focus on what the Lord has said. Focus on what the Lord has done for you. It's about checking our desires. Setting our heart on things above is, what are we really desiring? What do you desire most? Is knowing Jesus more at the center of your desire? And then Paul takes it up a notch. Don't just set your heart on things above. Don't just set your heart on eternal things Set your mind on things above. The mind is where everything starts. That's where our actions will start. It's kind of the powerhouse, the control of everything we do. Let pleasing Christ be at the core of your commitments. Let becoming like Christ be the heart of your ambition. Let bringing glory to Christ be your deepest and most consuming passion. And we do this by putting to death our old humanity. Paul's already reminded us again that we've been raised to new life. We've been moved from darkness to God's kingdom. And we've been moved from death to life through Jesus. We've been freed from our bondage to sin. And yet we still live on earth. We still live in human, earthly bodies. We still have to deal with sin. It's not enough to just recognize it. We know we do bad things. But we actually have to cut sin out of our lives. We actually have to put it to death. Recognition of sin is a good thing. But if you don't cast it off, if you don't cut it out, what good is it? When I was first diagnosed with brain cancer 13, yeah, 12 years ago now, when well, we got to the hospital and they called in all the specialists, and what they said was, well, this is this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. And we see that you have a tumor. We see that there's something there. But what we want to do is we want to go in to your brain, and we'll just... We're just going to do a biopsy. And then we'll, you know, we'll close everything back up and we'll go and we'll test it. We'll see what it is. And then if it's cancer, then, you know, we can go back in. Really? So if you just are going in once, why don't you just cut it out? That's what it is with sin. Don't just say, oh, yeah, I did this, I do this, I know it's bad. I know it's bad. No. Do it. Put it away. Put it away. How do you do that? Focus on your motive. Because all actions start out as desires. And desires are born in our hearts. Wickedness comes from our heart. Jesus said that. The words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery. All sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander What's your motivation for doing the things you do? Don't put yourself in tempting situations If you have a problem with alcohol, don't go to bars If you have a problem with lust, don't channel surf Don't sit in front of the computer mindlessly going through websites Because the temptation's going to pop up before you Don't put yourself in tempting situations. If you want to change, you need to first change direction, which means running away from sin, not running to it, or just sitting there and letting it find you. Change direction. Run into the arms of God. As Paul said in verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. That's the life you once lived. But you're dead to that now. Now you're alive in Jesus. Stop chasing after your desires. Stop chasing after the things that you want instead of the things that God wants for you. Move in the direction of pleasing God instead of yourself. The second thing that Paul tells us is change your attitude. Rid yourself of things like anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Now that you've changed direction, you need to change your attitude. Anger, rage. You know, anger is not a sin in itself. We see Jesus angry several times in the New Testament. But anger does lead us to sin. In our text this morning, the word rage, and in other translations, they use the word wrath. That means getting revenge. That means you want to seek revenge for the harm that was done to you. Now, it's God's job to mete out judgment, not ours. Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And then it continues in the list. Malice, slander, filthy language. Malice. That just means that you want someone else to feel sorrow. They hurt me, well, I want them to hurt too. You know, we, we watch action movies a lot in my house. I'm, I'm not a huge action movie fan, but I really like to see the bad guys get theirs in the end. That's fiction. But in real life, we tend to do that. We we just call it something nicer, like karma. Oh, karma always gets you in the end. And then he gets what he deserves. You know, what goes around comes around. That's how we dress it up. But that's malice. That's actually finding joy in someone else's sorrow. I don't think we understand how often we really do that. says that's not part of our new life that's part of the old you the new you the one that's now united with Christ shouldn't think that way because Jesus wouldn't think that way and he didn't think that way about you instead of allowing you and me to get what we deserved Jesus took it upon himself he found no joy in us getting what we deserved he stepped in and said, I'll take that for you. And then Paul finishes up his list of bad attitudes with slander, filthy language. Slander. That means putting people down. That means insulting people or speaking harshly to another person. It's telling lies. It's gossip. Which sometimes we dress up as prayer requests. Oh, bless her heart, but you know what? She needs prayer. This is, this is what's going on in her life. So we need to pray for her. What's your motivation in there? Are you trying to share news about something, or do you really sincerely care about this person and, and where she's headed? Check your motivation. Remember, we're changing direction, and we're changing our attitudes. And when we start to do that, then we'll find our change of purpose. That's the third thing that Paul tells us we need to change. Because we're being renewed in the image of Christ. We're to be a reflection of our creator, our Lord, and the master of our life. Now, several years ago, and it's still is crazy to me but there was a study there've been several studies done about do dogs look like their owners they've actually put money in there they're in like psychology today they're in you know medical journals these studies and what they would do and i have some pictures for you to look at they would take a picture of a dog and a picture of the owner and they would just put them all in a pile and they would ask people to match up the dog with the owner that they thought was the real owner and over 75% of the time they were correct they were able to match up the dog and the owner and so the question to us do we look like our master we reflect his image. Because if we look to change and change our direction, change our attitudes, we also need to change our purpose. And our purpose is to become more like Jesus. Paul tells us, clothe yourselves with Christ. And the first one he lists is compassion. Sensitivity and sympathy for the needs of others. Are you compassionate? And then he lists kindness. Do you act charitably? Are you benevolent towards others? Because a kind person is one who's concerned about his neighbor's good over his own. Compassion and kindness are closely related. But it's something that we need to work on. How many times are we made aware of things that another person needs? But we pass by, oh, someone else will stop. I don't have time. Someone else will do it. And it's not always about money. Compassion and kindness, you know, in the church we talk a lot about money. Compassion and kindness is not always about giving someone money. A couple weeks ago when we were driving to Indiana to watch our daughter graduate, We were driving. It's a 20-hour drive. And um, at one point, we had stopped in Nashville. And we were about to get on the road, and it was my turn to drive. I said, oh, I just need some coffee. I just need some coffee. And I am a coffee snob. I'll freely admit it. And so I like Starbucks coffee. And so I typed in GPS, where's the closest Starbucks? I need Starbucks coffee. And so we found an address for one, and so we we drove over there, and it turned out it was in a grocery store. And so we got out, got our coffee, started to walk back to the car. And as we're walking through the little bit of the grocery store that Starbucks was taking up, there was an older gentleman sitting at a table there, and he had a Bible open, and he was taking notes. And as I passed by, it it caught my eye, and he caught my eye. We made eye contact, and I just said hello and and kept walking. And I could hear God saying, go back. Go back. I'm on a time schedule. I have to be in Anderson, Indiana by 5 o'clock this evening, Lord. I can't. I'm not. Yeah, I can't. Someone else is going to have to do that. And as I was heading towards the door, I turned around, and and Jay's following behind me, but he sees the same thing and looks at me with an expression of, why aren't you stopping? And I just turned away. I didn't want to make eye contact with him, and I kept walking. And so we get out to the car, and it's my turn to drive, so we start backing up out of the parking place, and I go around to start to pull out of the parking lot, and I slam on the brakes. I said, okay guys, here's the deal. I said, God's telling me to go back in there and talk to that person. I cannot leave this parking lot until I do it. And so I turned the car around, I parked the car again, I get out of the car, and I'm in my head, I'm saying, Lord, I'm gonna look like an idiot. What am I supposed to do? What do I say? And all right, I'll go pretend I forgot something. I'll, I'll order something at Starbucks again. Well, don't you know the line is 10 people long now? Okay, I can't do that. All right, so I can hear the Lord, just go up. Will you just go up? Okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'm sorry. And I go, I just, okay, fine. And I just go up to this gentleman, and I say, excuse me. I said, what are you reading? And he said, oh, I'm reading, you and he was going on all of this. And I said, you know, this is a really crazy story, I said, but I just have to share with you. And I shared the whole thing with him about how I started to drive away, but the Lord told me to come back. And he looked at me with just the most loving expression, and he said, you know what? He said, the Lord knew I needed someone to pray with me. Wow. Wow. And I almost missed it. I almost missed it because I was looking at my watch saying, no, I have a time schedule. I have something I have to do. I almost missed the opportunity to give compassion and kindness to another person. And so I did. I got to hear a whole story. He used to be an atheist. And when he was 35, he came to know the Lord, and he hasn't looked back since. And now he's doing a Bible study about the love of God. And he was struggling with how to do it. And I got to pray with him, and wow, wow. And the rest of the day, I was walking on the clouds because I thought, Lord. I just wow. I missed I almost missed it. I almost missed it, but thank you for hitting me over the head and dragging me back for my own good. It takes humility sometimes. We have to be humble. That's not saying that we're better than anyone else or that we're less than anyone else. Humility is about Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And then there's gentleness. Some translations use the word meekness. That's just giving up your rights to be correct all the time. Set aside your rights. Don't demand that you be satisfied. But for the sake of good, let others have their way. You know, meekness is the exact opposite of rudeness and abrasiveness. Meekness is willing to suffer injury instead of letting it be inflicted on another. And meekness is not a human quality. It's a, it's a Holy Spirit quality. That just doesn't come naturally to us. And then Patience. Putting up with people that irritate us. That's really what patience is. It's holding back. It's restraining yourself from becoming upset or speaking harshly to someone. Whether it's your spouse, your child, coworker It doesn't matter. You know, each of these qualities is listed as something that we need to put on. Put on the clothes of Christ. You know, the other stuff that we're supposed to put off, we have to consciously choose to put off because it comes naturally to us. These things we just listed, they don't come naturally because they're from Jesus. They're from the Spirit. So we have to, every day, consciously put on kindness, put on compassion, put on patience, meekness, gentleness, And that's when we're going to start to see the change. You know, makeover shows are kind of all the rage these days, whether it's a home makeover, uh, clothing makeovers, you name it, there's a show for it. Really, Christ is the ultimate makeover, the ultimate makeover. It's going to make you a different person. It's going to make you a better person. When we change our direction, when we change our attitudes, when we change our purpose, that's when we start to see the fruit of our labors. Paul describes it as, bear with one another. Uphold and support someone. Encourage someone. Forgive one another. The same grace and mercy that God has bestowed upon us, we need to give back out. Forgiveness is always a great idea until you're the one that needs to forgive someone. Then it's not so good, not so easy. And then put on love. Love is the tie that binds. Love is the perfect bond of unity. Last week we talked a little bit about legalism and the do's and don'ts of religion. But it's love that keeps us from being legalistic. Because everything we do flows out of our love for God. And everything we do flows out of our love for another person. 1 Corinthians 13 talks a lot about love. I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but if I didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Love binds it all together. And then Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. You know, peace is, we like to think of peace as just, Oh, I feel good today. Things are calm. Everything's good. That's not peace. Peace is that inner sense of tranquility, knowing that you're right standing before God. Peace is knowing that you're secure in your position with God. It's knowing that you're safe in Jesus Christ. That's where true peace comes from. There's a bumper sticker out that says, K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. But no Jesus, N-O-Jesus, then no peace, N-O-Peace. And that's the truth. That's scriptural truth to that. Because when we fight against God, when we're at war with him, we don't have peace. When we come to Jesus for forgiveness, we know who we are in him. We know our salvation is secure, and we can face whatever the world throws at us. When we're clothed in Christ, we have peace because we know that all things are under his control. And Paul keeps going. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. If we want to experience change, if we want that joy of transformation, of new life, if we want to change direction, change our attitudes, and change our purpose, we need to be in the Word. And that doesn't mean we just let the Word in occasionally like we're a vacation spot. That means the Word has to take up permanent residence in us so that it can shape our thoughts, so it can shape our feelings, direct our decisions, and guide our lives. When the Word dwells in us, that's when we'll begin to see change. Are you struggling with temptation? Then get in the Word. Are you struggling for a decision that you need to make, but you don't know where to to go? Get in the Word. Because storing up the Word in our hearts, it gives us purpose. And Paul finishes up with 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why do we do what we do? Is it to get a pat on the back? Is it so we're praised by others? Or are we driven by the reward and praise of our Heavenly Father? When everything we do is done in the name of Jesus, we realize his constant presence in our lives. He's with us wherever we go. If we let him. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. As we finish up this morning, there's one more thing that Paul tells the Colossians to do. Verse 15, be thankful. Verse 16, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. The key to making a change in our lives Is trusting God enough to allow Him to work in your life? Do you trust God with your life? With every area of your life? If you want change, seek Jesus, make Him Lord of your life, cast off the old stuff. Let God have your life. Pursue God's agenda, not your own. Quit fighting God. Allow him to change the direction of your life. Allow him in to change your attitudes. Allow him in to fulfill his purpose for you. And then you'll put on kindness. You'll put on compassion and humility. And most importantly, you're going to put on love. What image do you leave with people when you interact with people and you leave? What image do they have of your master? Would they be able to look at a picture of your qualities and a picture of the qualities of God and match them up? Do they see Jesus or do they see something else? Challenge yourself this week to open your heart to God's peace. Stop trying to do things the same way you used to do them. Here's a quick illustration. When Paul says you're a new creation and the old is gone, think of it as a, a building, a concrete building that has been demolished. They've just taken it, it's just rubble on the ground. Do you ever see them start to rebuild the new building using the old stuff? No. So you're a new creation. Stop going back to your old ways. Stop taking the stuff from your old life and trying to make it fit in your new life. It's not going to work. God's given you new life. Take it. He's given you new tools. Use them to change your direction, to change your attitudes, and find your purpose in him. We're going to close out just a little differently this morning. I want you to just sit. Just come to the Lord. What do I need to change, Lord? What is it that I need to bring to you? What am I not giving to you? Just take a few minutes during this song. Just reflect on where Jesus is for you.